Hey, this is JT. Another episode about life at Bethel. The good, the bad, and yes, the ugly. Today's episode, we're going to deal with my congregation assignment. Now, this is interesting. Now, if you had the opportunity to see our last video on life at Bethel, I talked about basically two things that impact how much you enjoy Bethel or where Bethel becomes literally a living hell for you. And those two things are, one, the people you surround yourself with at Bethel, the people you run with, the people who become your friends, and two, is the congregation. The congregation that you are assigned to will have a tremendous impact as to whether or not you enjoy Bethel or you just hate it every day. You count down like you in prison. Um, so the congregation is what we'll be looking at today. What happens is there are basically two ways Bethelites can get assigned to a congregation. In some areas, and we're going to do a little contrast with the farm and Brooklyn, where I was at. Typically at the farm, you're simply just assigned to a congregation because there are so few congregations. So when a Bethelite comes in, they just look around, assign them over here. But down in Brooklyn, something different happens, basically. Depending on the congregation and how many Bethelites they have, they can actually request Bethelites. And that's what happened in my case. The congregation that I was a part of had three Bethelites, one left to get married. After he left, that left them with just basically two Bethelites, and that is a serious concern because of where my congregation was located. My congregation was located in what is known as Harlem, the hood. And during this time, during the 80s, Harlem was literally the ghetto because crack was king during the 80s. So a congregation only had two Bethel whites. They're looking at a situation where if one Bethel white is sick, can't come on vacation, that leaves one Bethel white having to travel by himself. And so the body of elders realized this is not a good thing. So what the body of elders did, they put a letter into the society and says, look, we lost the Bethel white brothers. Can you please send us a new Bethel white? And, of course, it goes through its approval process, and after a while, the congregation got a letter. And they read the letter to the congregation. Dear friends, this informed you that you'll be getting a new Bethelite. He'll be coming in on this date. And, of course, that's when the wheels start. That's when the mothers, they get excited. Single man's coming in. That's when the single sisters get excited. Another single Bethelite. What is he going to look like? What is he going to talk like? How is he going to sound? Is he going to be a nerd? Is he going to be introvert? Is he going to be outgoing? What is he going to be like? And that's the kind of question that starts being asked before you even get to the congregation. And little do you know, they're ready when you get there. So as I mentioned before, typically Bethelites, they roll in on a Friday. So that Saturday afternoon, uh, the Bethelites in my hall, they said, look, we're going to take you out to the congregation. We're going out to the congregation, introduce you to some of the friends. So, of course, the first place we go is we go to the presiding overseer's house. Today, they're known as the coordinator. And we stopped by. He wasn't there. So we met his family. Then we moved on. So basically, the new Bethelites were taking me around, introducing me to all the friends in the congregation. And so we went to a number of the elders' homes, stopped by some of the ministerial servants' house. And then they said, now we're going to stop by to see Sister O. And so they took me to a number of the homes of some of the older friends. You know, Sister Johnson, been pioneering 45 years, you know, been around for years. And the reason why is because the older friends and every Bethelite who has experienced this will tell you, they are your key to being able to survive Bethel. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute. 
One of the things, uh, as, as I mentioned, is the congregation is what drives your ability to be able to stay at Bethel, enjoy Bethel, or just simply hate it. Um, and it varies for Bethelites. The experience of each Bethelite is different based on that. Typically in congregations where there are very few Bethelites, the Bethelites are celebrated, they're appreciated, the friends go out of their way to do things for them. And in congregations where you have a lot of Bethelites, there are just so many Bethelites that sometimes they literally overpower the congregation. And people are assigned to these congregations for different reasons. Uh, typically at the farm, uh, people are assigned the congregation because there's just so few congregations. Whereas in Brooklyn, it's a little bit different. In Brooklyn at the time, there were so many congregations in New York City being that's where the headquarters was. All kinds of foreign language, French, Portuguese, Italian, Chinese congregations. I mean, all kinds of Spanish congregations. So you had all these variety of congregations that you could actually end up getting assigned to. And in some cases, brothers would actually request to be moved to especially foreign language congregations. One of the things I noticed about the congregation assignments, uh, African-American brother could literally be sent anywhere in New York City, the Bronx, Harlem, Bed-Stuy, Queens, wh wherever he could be sent anywhere. But the society was somewhat cautious about where they would send some of the Caucasian brothers. And as a result, it limited the number of congregations that they could actually be assigned to many times. And as a result, their congregations were filled with Bethelites, 30 sometimes up to 50 Bethelites. And all these would translate into elders and ministerial service in a matter of time. Um, I remember a number of Caucasian brothers that I would take out to my congregation, and they just couldn't believe how the friends treated us in our congregation because it was just so few of us. Uh, whereas in their congregation, you know, it was just a few friends, and, and, and you had 50 Bethelites, so you weren't really treated any way special at all. Uh, but in our congregation, the friends, they, they really celebrated having a Bethelite in their hall. Um, as I had mentioned before, the older friends were the key. I uh, remember so many times because the schedule at Bethel, you typically, when you get off, and at that time we was having two meetings during the week, uh, you get off at five, take a shower. By the time you get dressed, you many times would not have time to go down and have dinner. So you have to just head on to the Kingdom Hall. Well, the friends of the congregation knew that the Bethelites typically didn't eat, and they took care of that. In our hall, we literally had a little rotation with among the older friends where they would bring food. And so you would know, you walk into Kingdom Hall and you see Sister Johnson coming to you with a little brown paper bag, little grease in the bottom, you know, she cooked some fried chicken, potato salad, coleslaw, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so the friends took care of you. And so it helped you in making your transition to New York City. And for me, I was so thankful because, you know, I, I came from North Carolina. I came from a small place. Um, the last census that was done in a little place I'm from in North Carolina, population 375. So I'm transferring from a little place in North Carolina to big New York City, whole different place. And of course, I brought my country ways and the friends, they let you know it. Uh, many times during the meetings, the friends, they would be just sniggering. <laughs> and the reason why is because you have that Southern drawl, y'all, no, uh-huh, go put it in the zinc over there. And so the friends would just laugh. And so you, it, it kind of made you become cognizant of, of how you sounded many times. I remember one elder uh, pulling me to the side one time. He said, JT, can I talk to you? I need to talk to you. He said, look, JT, you, you, know, you come up here in New York City, you're a little howdy-doody self. You know? There are certain things you just can't do. And one of them is you can't be just speaking to people on the street. You know, where I'm from in North Carolina, everything is yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. 
And so when you would see people on the street, you was like, how you doing? How you doing? All right, good day. And so people were like, is he going to rob me or something? This guy going to jump on me? And of course, the flip side is they know you from out of town. They know you're not from around here. And so you become, as, as the elder explained to me, JT, you become a sitting target to get mugged. And it was just something that you would do. I remember riding the train many times. At this time, the trains in New York City didn't have seats where you actually could sit in front of someone and somebody in front of you. They were like a bench seat that went all the way across. And so you would literally be looking across over at the people on the other side, 10, 15 people on the other side. And, you know, no, can I look at me? How you doing? Good to see you. How you doing? Good to see you. And people would be like, this guy's going to rob me as soon as I get off this train. You know, so so you learn. So And that's why I mentioned before, you need people to school you. And I was very fortunate that I had some guys that, that just they just helped me come along so that you would be more like a New Yorker instead of like a country guy. And this is what often got some brothers in trouble because they just stood out so well. Uh, I mean, typically when we would go to the meeting, especially in the summertime, uh, you would come up out of the train, come up on the street, and you're in the streets of Harlem. And this is before all the redevelopment that has taken place up in Harlem is taking place now. This is when it was literally the hood. And basically, I mean, just from all practical purposes, there was only basically three types of people who wore suits and ties. You either were a police officer, undercover cop, a member of the Nation of Islam, or you was Jehovah's Witness. And so you just stood out. As you walked down the street, everybody got on Nikes, hats turned around backwards, baggy pants. You just stood out as you walked. And the Kingdom Hall sometimes could be 10 blocks away, and you just walked past all these people sitting on stoops, and they're looking like, mm-hmm, Jehovah's Witness, mm-hmm, Jehovah's Witness, it be Jehovah's Witness, got a little briefcase, I see him, I see him. And people holler at you, hey, Jehovah, hey, Jehovah, how you doing, Jehovah? You know, so, you know, and you keep walking, like, 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 you know, the, the, the scene of Bethlehem be like, JT, just keep your eyes straight, man. Just keep your eyes straight. Walk straight. Just keep walking straight. Walk straight. Don't, don't look. Just, just walk straight. So you were school. You were brought into how to live and how to survive. Um, one of the things, uh, before I came to New York, I had a car. I had a little car for pioneering. And before I got to Bethel, I decided to check. Let me check and see if I can bring my car. Because I didn't know. So I got in touch and found out uh, through some Bethelites and people I've known that you probably don't want to bring your car because you're going to be fully responsible for all expenses, tires, gas, insurance, or everything. And at the time when I went to Bethel, we started out with $80. That's right. $80 a month is what I got. Uh, what happens at Bethel, because you come to Bethel, uh, you don't work a regular job. And we're going to get into that as well about how Bethelites make money. Uh, you don't work a regular job. So the society gives you a little compensation. They give you, when I first came in, it was $80 a month. By the time I left, we topped out at a top speed of $90 a month. So we was living large. Also, what the society does, which is very interesting, they set aside $20 a month for you. It goes into a little account. So at the end of the year, it's $240. And once a year, once when the year starts, you can start drawing on the money. Some Buffaloes, they take everything out at one time. A lot of us, we would take like $20 out, $10 out, $15 out. We would dole it out as we needed. Uh, this was called basically a clothing allowance is what it was called. And so this is, so along with your $80 you got every month, and it, before I left it was $90, they would put $20 into a little account. So Sai had, at the time, they had like a little bank, little, little banking uh, teller set up at Bethel. It's kind of cool. You know, you get in line and you get to the front, little guy behind the little, little bars and stuff, as it were. You're like, who's going to rob these guys? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> who's going to 
gonna rob these guys in Bethel. So he got the little, he got the little, little beam up there. He slide a little money. So he write a little, a little, little receipt. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to uh, deduct so and so out of my account. Put your little account number up there and everything. Slide it in there. He, he, he count the money. Five, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. Thank you, brother JT. All right, thanks a lot, man. And so that's what we did. And so we personally, I use it for travel. When I would go on vacation, especially in the summertime, this would be my this would be my airline money. So that was something that the society did for us. So we had eighty dollars a month, and this is what everybody got. Like I said, even the guys who had cars as well. Uh, <laughs> so if you had a car, you were responsible for everything on that car. Plus, in New York City, you park on one side of the street, then you get on the other side of the street the next day, and you got to get up in the morning. I saw guys have to get up in the morning, move the cars around, and many times in Brooklyn Heights. Parking in Brooklyn Heights, where I was at, is like at a premium. I mean, a premium. And so guys would end up parking way, almost down. I mean, they would just be parking blocks and blocks away. So for a lot of us, having a car just wasn't practical in New York City. Because at the time, with a token, you could travel basically all over New York City. But one of the things that I was told very early on was what to do if you ride with someone else in their car. Uh, many of the guys I knew personally who had cars, they were typically guys who got married. Um, when they get married, many times uh, the parents or the in-laws or both parents, they would sometimes buy them a little, a little, little runabout car, you know, little, not, nothing fancy, just a little car, because they didn't want their daughter riding the train. And, um, and that's understandable. So we had a couple of guys who had cars, and the arrangement was, was the unspoken, this is why I tell people all the time, it's very important to know things about Jehovah's Witnesses. Two things, their teachings and their culture. Well, it's even more so at Bethel. It is important, it is absolutely essential if you're gonna survive Bethel to understand the culture because there are so many unwritten rules, unwritten cues, and if you don't realize them, you'll walk right into a wall and you will just knock yourself out. I was kind of fortunate. I had guys who like, JT, don't do that, man. <laughs> don't do that. Do that. Be sure to say that because you didn't know. So one of the things I was told was, look, man, if you're going to ride one of the boys out to the meeting, give him what you would have paid to ride the train. So at Bethel, the token, the New York, the times the New York City token, like a little coin. Then they have a little card like they have here in Washington, D.C. Uh, but at the time, it's like a little coin. Drop it in. That became literally uh, a currency that we used to use at Bethel. Uh, you could pay things off with other Bethelites. You know, they give you six tokens, 12 tokens. Pay it off in a token. Um, and so you understood if you were riding out to the congregation or to your meetings with someone, you often have a couple of little gas. Because keeping in mind, it's very important to keep in mind, this Bethelite driving his car, <laughs> he getting the same $80 you get. He just has a ton of expenses to try to cover. So we understood that. Uh, I always, whenever I would ride with somebody, give me a ride, and there's a couple of tokens, man. And basically, you could just give them the token for the one-way ride, and that would be sufficient. But it was just a matter of just just being, uh, you know, courteous, being, you know, just being, you know, just just common courteous. That's all it really was. Um, and so it kept you out of a lot of trouble because the last thing you want to do is get into a bad relationship with other Bethlehemites. Oh, my goodness. That's the worst in the world. And so, once again, knowing how to avoid these landmines uh, was so important for me. That was probably one of the biggest things by being around the right set of guys Older guys who were experienced, who knew, they could tell you it made all the difference for me personally. So this is what is helping me to be able to, to make it in the congregation. And typically, after about a year at Bethel, uh, most of the time in most congregations, you come in like 19 years old, so then you're moving to about 20, 21. Uh, 
The body of the elders will bring you to the back. Typically, the service committee, three brothers bringing it back. And says, look, our brother JT, uh, you know, we've been discussing among the body of elders about uh, increasing the number of brothers giving public talks. And uh, I remember this so vividly because I was often asked by people of a Bethel like, uh, JT, you know, you, you get PTs? JT, you get PTs yet? And I'm like, PTs? What's a PT? And I was just, do you get PTs? Yeah, I get PTs. You get PTs? I'm like, what's a PT? Public talk. Didn't know what it was. Never heard of, never heard it called it before. And so the body of elders, the service committee asked me to come in the back. And they said, look, uh, we want you to uh, give a public talk. Now, normally we have our ministerial service. Typically, we will have them give part of the talk. Then another elder will come and finish up the talk for you. Said, you do 20 minutes, and they like 20 minutes. He said, but we think, you, we think you can handle the whole outline. We're going to give you the whole outline. So they gave me a list. It says, here's a list of public talks that's available. And from that list, I chose my public talk, one that I would use for many years because of the type of subject matter that it covered. Now, in my next video, we'll get into my first public talk and how it was put together. Look forward to having you in our show again. This has been JT, looking at life at Bethel, where we talk about the good, the bad, and yes, the ugly. Have a good day. But well, we invite you to subscribe to our channel and be sure to hit that bell so that you can receive notifications when we upload new content. Give us a thumbs up if you like this video. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.